Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with the leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. What's up, everyone? This is the last episode of season one. Um, we just want to thank you guys for taking this journey mm-hmm. with us. Um, it's been great so far. I'm glad we're being consistent. Very consistent, and we've reached um, so many different people mm. uh, globally, domestically, um, locally, just pretty much everywhere. But Asia, we're trying to hit Asia and yeah. Australia. It's been it's been fairly surprising, um, mm-hmm. just to get listeners from continents I haven't even been. <laughs> you know, that's true. And countries that we would like to go to at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for showing us love. It's been wonderful. It's been amazing. Very good journey. Um, today we're talking about parenthood. What do you think about parenthood, my love? Um, So far, I think it's been going well. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. There have been some challenges mm-hmm. as far as parenting goes. But um, it's a journey. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, it's been going well so far. How about for yourself? I can definitely agree. Um, it's been some really nice, nice moments. Some really what in the world moments <laughs> yeah just uh it's a growing process um, that i'm definitely learning from every day i think the one thing that i've gotten out of being a mother um is that i appreciate my own mother so much more like mm-hmm. i understand a lot of things that i probably would not have understood um until I was a mom. <laughs> Some things like what? Some things like you almost no longer put yourself first. Mm-hmm. There's somebody before you. Mm-hmm. However, at the same time, you always need to make sure that you're good mentally and physically to be able to mm-hmm. put all your energy into that one person. But, like, literally, I don't think I've slept since we had Wami. Mm. Not a full night. Um, no, not a full sounding light. Because it's like, if he's crying, I have to wake up. Mm-hmm. If he needs something from me, I have to be on mommy mode. Like, mm-hmm. it never shuts off. Mm-hmm. It never shuts off. Hopefully, when he's a little older, he'll, I guess, sleep throughout the night. Yeah, but I mean, I love it. I'm just saying, in a sense, like, being a mom, there's always, you're always a mom. You know, like, mm-hmm. it never goes away. It's just like an extra thing that's put on to you your your mm. personality and what you have to do yeah no breaks man no breaks yeah. but it's 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 a blessing it's beautiful i love our baby mm. um yeah it's yeah. also allowed me to learn a lot about myself as well in the process. yeah he's he's a, a firecracker man <laughs> um it's really nice when he wakes up all fresh and 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 energetic but mm. once he gets sleepy it's a, a different monster yeah it's very different monster. <laughs> so how have you been feeling and what have you been experiencing as far as parenthood goes? 
what um, does fatherhood mean to you fatherhood it's hard to say because I've never really had anything to compare it to mm-hmm. so I'm just learning every day you know um I just want to be a good example to him and try not to do or say certain things that he will absorb and pick up and then he reflect that to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I have to be a lot more self-conscious on how I move around in the household. It's really crazy because a baby or a child to me feels like a sponge like mm-hmm. they absorb so much everything so that's that's really true of what you said and our boy is like super <laughs> attentive like he'll pick up things something really quick like starting to break dance from hip hop yeah. he, he just saw that what how many times he saw it for a few times but it took him about two months until he decided well I'm just gonna try it and just just bust the so- <laughs> move and just bust the move <laughs> and, and broad and everything mm-hmm. yeah um but yeah, I just I, I have the same sentiments as to what you're explaining, how you don't want to mold him or change him into mm-hmm. like who he is, but at least we're helping him and guiding him to be, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's, a great human being. Don't I guess it's uh don't really want to clip his wings. Yeah. You Let know? him fly. Let him fly. <laughs> Let him be free like a bird. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The thing I feel like we have to work on because his personality is already naturally very strong. Mm. So I think when he gets angry, he gets very angry. Yeah. You know? And if he yeah. gets frustrated, he gets so frustrated. Mm. But I just need him to be at least able to balance, you know, those feelings so they're not extreme. And just communicate those and feelings. And communicate those feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's something... Uh, think everyone has to work with yeah. you know nowadays uh it's definitely hard for a lot of people to communicate definitely you know yeah i think even the challenge for me in our journey as parents is like um how we interact and like what we agree on as far as parenting goes mm. so it's like trying to figure out and balance that dynamic mm. yeah she she you really want me to be the strict one the i do cop. because i find i figured out <laughs> it's not in my heart but you man. do a great job at it i i thought it was going to be in my heart until he popped out yeah. and it's difficult and the it's way really he just difficult. looks at you <laughs> <laughs> with the sad pe- puppy so dog eyes it's so difficult and it's like puppy dog eyes and then those puppy dog eyes are so cute yeah. and then i cannot help but to like warm up or like laugh and I try my best not to laugh when he's getting in these it's, 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 in these moods it's but. funny because whenever he does something and you try to uh, discipline him or say no don't do that he will look at you with those eyes and you just melt <laughs> yes but I've been really trying to work on that because I don't want him to be that child that will not listen mm-hmm. you know um, listen to family members when we're not with him or not listen to us if he's you know in a in a dangerous situation mm-hmm. like you know there's a car there i need you to stop or i need you to do something i yeah. want him to be able to know that no means no 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a challenge. Yeah, he used to listen to me. Now that he's a, a I guess a few weeks older or a few months he's older, he's testing you. He's, he took my coffee one time <laughs> off the table, looked at me right in my face, and just poured it out. I saw him because I was coming out from yeah. my um, lunch break from work, and he just like was pouring it. Not even a smile, and look, just a, at a you, straight mug. Like, like, what is he gonna do? <laughs> Say something, do something. And then he said, "Hey, hey!" He just started like <laughs> he dropped to the floor and started licking the coffee. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. But he, I've seen even when we're in there together and we're doing things like, I've seen him always like do something that mm. he knows he's not supposed to do and wait for you to say hey hey <laughs> or, ah, ah, ah. and then he'll stop but like he I need to work on him listening to me because I yeah. see that he just doesn't he'll wait until you say no to him yeah why is I, 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 the universal language <laughs> for black people all over the planet yeah <laughs> or it's like ah it's just ah yeah, but then yeah. it's like there's derivatives and like different <laughs> ways that you say ah yeah you got ah 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 ah, ah. <laughs> and ah you sound yeah. like a, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, uh. But we all have that non-English uh, <laughs> sound that we all make. Yeah. To uh, to put somebody in check, and we, you know, we all know what that that word or phrase means. Mm. So, what's your experience being a child and parenthood? What is my experience being a child? Yeah. And then... While experiencing parenthood. like Oh, like somebody's child. Yeah. Well, I'm still someone's child, but I'm no longer a kid. So I don't really have to answer to anybody, and nobody's telling me what to do. Nobody's telling me what to do. I mean, no. What do you mean? What's the question? (laughs) I'm trying to formulate it. Okay, what was your experience with parenthood growing up as a child? Oh, I see what you mean. That's okay. I understand. I had to reword it. It takes me a, t- a while. It no, takes me no, a minute. It's no problem. It's no problem. <laughs> so, um, I think I had great, a great upbringing. Mm-hmm. But there were different experiences that I had to adjust to. So I went from being raised by my grandparents, then having an experience being raised with my aunt Mm. for a certain period of time each year, and then being raised by my mother, Mm. and then being raised by my mother and my father. Mm. Those are all different dynamics, like those different households and how they run their households. Mm -hmm. So there were different ways that they were parenting me. Um, I don't know. I think... It was great. It was a good upbringing. But at the same time, too, I feel like for the type of personality that I had, mm. certain... You just needed, like, stability. Cer- certain, no, certain experiences would feel a little <clears throat> bit harsh in the way that they were, mm. you know, communicating things with me that I was shut down. Mm. So it was difficult for me to communicate as a child, and it was difficult for me to feel safe. Not safe as in I felt fearful of things, but not safe to be able to express myself the way that I wanted to okay. out of fear for not being accepted. Mm-hmm. So, but because I always had those different households 
within my upbringing, I felt like there were certain households where I felt comfortable and mm. others that I didn't. Mm. As I got older in my teens, um, it got a little bit better. I think it was just not really feeling like I had a consistent household to like follow and um, am I making sense? Yeah, I mean, I guess you're saying it wasn't really stability there. It wasn't bad and it was stable, but it was just different types of I mean, parenting. From what you say and say the average household, um, they don't, the average household does, doesn't really like move around like that. Well, I no. guess, I guess that's true. But you're saying it wasn't stable. I'm not saying it wasn't stable. Maybe I, I am saying that. That's what I mean. Like yeah. sometimes when I think of the word stable, it means that it wasn't fostered in a foundation that was pure or like. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just like having one space to call home. Correct. So I, I didn't feel like I could easily adapt to those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to, like, I had to adapt to those situations. Mm-hmm. But it was a little bit overwhelming for me to go from one situation to another to another. Like, it was, if they were the same, I think it would have been fine. But mm-hmm. I think emotionally, it was a bit much for the type of personality that I had to mm-hmm. like have to jump right into something and feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. I see what you mean. But all this to say, even though I had those experiences. Um, I loved my life. Mm-hmm. I loved growing up as a kid and being able to be raised by my grandparents, mm-hmm. going to my aunt's house and spending time with my cousins, who I call my sisters, mm-hmm. and you know, just feeling loved in all those different spaces. Yeah. It, it's weird because it's like I feel like I'm contradicting myself, but it's like I had my moments where I felt safe, and I had my moments where I felt like I didn't belong. Mm-hmm. How about you? <laughs> I I can see that man. Not too many people can say they had that type of life experience. Mm. You know, from going to Zimbabwe to uh, England to America, like that's it's pretty amazing if you think about it. It is pretty. Ma- it, it is amazing. Mm-hmm. I think that's a a very rare thing. Yeah. 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 Myself, I. I believe I had a, a pretty stable, um, quote-unquote, normal upbringing besides uh, just having one parent, you know. Mm-hmm. But the way I was raised and the love I received from family members um, and my mom, it didn't really seem, it wasn't, I didn't feel like I was missing anything mm. at first until maybe later in my teens. When you say you didn't feel like you were missing anything, what do you mean? Like that that father figure role, that, you know, that that cliche American uh, pie type thing. But uh, my mother worked extremely hard to provide and keep a house over our heads and um, teach me morals and, and just taught me how to maneuver through the world but at times it would be hard because she's a, a, a woman and I'm a male and 
she wouldn't be able to teach me certain things that a man could teach me. How old did you start feeling that way? Maybe about 11, 12, uh, 13, maybe when I first started going through puberty and all that. And, um, but everything else, I think one of my main problems with my mom or what hindered me in a way was that she was so giving and I believe since I didn't have a father there she would overgive you know yeah. uh, especially around Christmas and, and birthdays um, I'm just a kid I see a bunch of gifts it, I'm excited about that but gifts couldn't really fill in that hole you know what I mean mm. so it's, it's very funny you say that because it's like, I can relate to that. Yeah. Because a short period of time, I was in the same situation where it's like, I love that I'm so loved, mm -hmm. but the people that I want are is my mother and my father. Mm -hmm. Like, those first seven years were tough because it's like birthdays and like, yeah. or we had school events where your parents will do races and swimming. My grandmother will always be there, my granddad, but it's mm -hmm. like... <laughs> They're not my mom or my dad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's, I can relate to that. Yeah. It's, it's, I had really good experiences and really bad ones. Um, yeah. Uh, always had good experiences with like family gatherings and me being the youngest of all the cousins. So my, my grandfather had three daughters. Um, each of them had children and I was the baby of everybody. And it was amazing. I was getting all the love. Look at them. <laughs> yeah. They would make me dance, and, and everybody would circle around me, and they would, and I would have to dance for, like, dollars <laughs> and, and, and coins and stuff yeah. like that, you know, and just, just really bust a move. Dang, and I didn't know you could dance like that. I, I could at that age yeah. right now. <laughs> I might break a, a hip bone. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, it was great. My grandmother was an amazing person she mm -hmm. showed a lot of love um i would often go there it just seemed like i don't know my grandmother and i had a relationship like nobody else yeah that i've been uh, come across you know it's like yeah. that special relationship that special bond that that talking without even like talking for yeah. real you know yeah it was amazing and um every time we would go over there um for like Christmas or, or any holiday gathering, um, she would kick, cook everybody food. But once everyone started getting on her nerves, she would just kick everybody out. <laughs> she said one day, oh, she said, I don't know where y'all gotta gonna go, but y'all gotta get the hell out of here. And um, yeah, man, she was amazing. Always cooked me up my a personal batch of um, collard greens or mm. you know stuff like all that. All the things you loved, and she knew what you yeah, loved. That man. Was grandma. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That was grandma. Yeah. Um, just the environment. Um, my aunt Donnie, she was an amazing person. She uh, treated me very well. Um, when I was a kid, she came over to watch me. Um, my mother went out. I'm not sure where she went, but um, I managed to climb up on top of the refrigerator, grab the pancake mix. And just spread it all over the house oh my and, and powdered my Aunt Donnie oh my with pancake mix while she was asleep. Oh, my God. And by the time my mother came home, 
everything was covered in pancake mix. It was crazy, oh man. I was I was mischievous. <laughs> I was like Dennis the Menace, like mm. in in real life situations. But um, yeah, man, I, I love my childhood, man. It was yeah. great. It was great growing up in a neighborhood where all the little kids gathered together and, and, and just got our bicycles and rode our just bikes rode around bicycle, yeah. yeah man just Did stuff like that you have like a few that. homies that you had constantly yeah, like play yeah, with yeah definitely had homies you know yeah. um, definitely had homies and it was I don't know it, it was just great just just growing up in like a, a great loving community mm. even though you know Palmer Park uh, Landover Maryland wasn't the safest place I still felt like I was home like that was your home yeah Yeah. I think I felt the most at home growing up when I was in Zimbabwe Mm -hmm. but I think it's just because like I had at the time my homie which would have been my cousin Mm -hmm. um, who I call my brother but it was me and Musa like we were two peas in a pot Mm -hmm. but Zimbabwe is like that place where you can just be outside Mm-hmm. Just like you would Parma Just Park all day yeah. and you're safe to do whatever you yep. want. And we were outside children. But also during that time, like TV would shut off like after 7 a.m. cartoons mm-hmm. or something. It'll cut off from like 10 a.m. until 3 o'clock. So you had no <laughs> so choice had but no to go outside. Yep. 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 But yep. man, like we had so many fun adventures just being children. And I think coming here... The only thing I used to miss was just going outside. Like, mm-hmm. I could go outside, but it would be a certain time of the hour. I couldn't go outside without my parents. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just a different dynamic. But, um, yeah. Yeah, man. Going outside was everything. Just like you said, using your, your imagination. It seems like when you're a child, your imagination is, is infinite. Like, yeah. Infinite. There's always something to do. There's always somebody to go hang out with. Mm-hmm. There's always that one little crush that you're scared to go talk to you know (laughs) but your boys are hyping you up like go talk to her go talk to her yeah Mm -hmm. um i was reading something a while ago just you know doing self-care and just figuring out myself like as Mm -hmm. an adult but um there was a statement made that you are stuck at the trauma like you're stuck at the age that your trauma started mm-hmm. have you ever had like a traumatic experience in your childhood or like mm-hmm. something that has made you feel stuck in a sense yeah I had one um my mother and I went out to um I think it was called value city or mm-hmm. something like that one of those uh stores that just sold everything but it was like really junk but um, we went there. Every time we went out, I would usually get, you know, something, maybe two toys or mm-hmm. uh, a toy and a VHS movie or whatever. So we went there and um, we were walking towards the toy aisle. And my mother looked ahead of her and then she looked at me. And then she looked back up and was like, that's your father. What? Yeah. And I was like, what? I had to be like maybe six, seven, or maybe eight, any any time between there. And she was like, yeah, that's your father. And I looked at him. And I was like, no, you're not. Nah, no, you're not. In my but head. I, wait, wait. So, like, how far away were you from him? And, like. It had to have been, like, maybe five or six feet. Maybe five or six feet. 
So she just pointed and then like you looked up. And I looked at him. And then we walked towards there and she called his name. She was like, What's up? And he looked down at me, he was like, What's up, little man? I'm just looking at this nigga like this and I'm my father. <laughs> I don't know this man. Like he had a mustache. Yeah. And he had like one of those old nineties afros and, and, and bomber jackets and, and some real tight pants, I think. And um I looked up and then she she started to talk to him. I forgot what they were saying. It was so long ago. And then he looked down and was like, You trying to go out with me one day? I was like, okay. Because you don't know this guy. I do don't. You? Like, I looked at my mother. She was like, yeah, that's cool. And I looked. I said, okay. I was like, all right. Then she talked to him, and then we left. And maybe like a few weeks later or a couple months later, he came down to the house. Took me out. Uh, where did we go? I think we might have went fishing with you went out with your dad yeah yeah this yeah. is the first time i'm hearing this story yeah. so i'm like oh my god we went out i think it might have been fishing or something else because mm. it was another guy that he might have been my uncle or something and we went down there and came back and he was like um so something 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 i'm gonna see you again and you want that new nintendo 64 I was like, yeah, I love a Nintendo 64. All right. He walked me to the door, said something to my mother, and then I walked in, went back to my room. They kept talking, and then I heard the door, front door shut. He was gone. And that was the last time I seen him. Never received. It had to have been like six, seven, or eight. In between there, I can't remember. Oh, my God. But I could remember myself walking around the house like yeah I'm gonna get the new t- new N- Nintendo 64 and I'm telling everybody and who came over the house weeks later weeks turned into months and that was the last time I seen him wow do you know I f- like that makes me like want to cry because I'm like you see how cute our baby is <laughs> Yeah. And he looks just like you. Yeah. And for someone just to like walk out on that. Mm-hmm. I think I'm not really sure what this story is. And I don't want to really expose too many details. Right. But I think he was on drugs really bad at mm-hmm. one point in time, which is why my mother left. But he ended up ended up getting married to somebody and mm-hmm. having a, a few kids. And, you know, I got brothers and maybe sisters out there that I don't really even know about. Yeah. You know, they probably don't know about me or we never had any conversations. But it's traumatic. I think a lot of that is what led me to bottle up my feelings and not expressing as much. Mm -hmm. And... Soon after that, that's when my mother got sick. She uh, has rheumatoid arthritis, mm. which is, uh, I believe it kills the cartilage that combines your bones together. Right. And after a while, it's just like bone, rubbing on bone, and it hurts. And mm. it's like a real restrictive disease. You can't even get out of bed in the morning. And that 
kind of changed her personality in a sense. You know, yeah. she's always hurting like twenty four seven, and um, sometimes she didn't want to get out of bed, or it's been days where I had to go in the bathroom help and help her off the toilet because she can't get out. You know, and um, that really changed her personality, and I think she got a little bit more aggressive which led me to go deeper inside and not really express myself you're so brave though like if you really think about what you've been through mm-hmm. you're so brave you know because yeah. sometimes a lot of people can't handle that you know yeah. it's tough like yeah it's, it's become to a point where you just get numb to it and yeah. it doesn't really I mean it affects you but you do certain things so it, it doesn't. Yeah. You know, you ignore problems or you just bottle things up and yeah. you don't communicate. Well, thank you for sharing that because I know that was tough and it's like it's the first time I'm hearing it. Mm-hmm. And it's relatable to me. Like, I, I understand to an extent what you go through, like, or what you could be going through mm-hmm. as a child, like, that didn't really have. You know, that was looking for that void. I kind mm-hmm. of felt in a similar situation, like there were certain things that I felt were missing in my life. And you can't really explain to people unless mm-hmm. they've been through the same thing, you know, or been through something that makes you feel like nobody wanted you. Yeah. My only regret is not speaking to him sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, found out. Uh, my mother told me that he passed away in 2008 two years after he passed away well how did you feel about that um I was extremely sad to be honest with you I was sad I wanted to just have a conversation and figure out his side of the story because there are different sides of the story and I think I always felt like my father was always being, my biological father was always being like forced to not see me. Mm -hmm. But there are two sides to a story. And Mm -hmm. I I think that as you get older, you understand that your parents are human too, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. You know, like even Mm -hmm. though it hurt us and we didn't necessarily understand at the time, there were reasons for certain things. Yeah, but I can imagine like that probably shattered you to like find out, you know, when you found out. Two thousand and eight. I'm just graduation graduating out of uh, high school. I mm. believe about to go to college, and I just wanted to like, I don't know, just just simply have a conversation, or maybe even get to know my other siblings. You know, just, get to know that side of you. It is yeah. Yeah, maybe I have mannerisms or just like Wami would do something just like me and we're not conscious of it. He's not conscious of it. Yeah. Do I have those same mannerisms? Yeah. Of my father. Like that's I don't know. That's that's it's troubling, man. It's Mm -hmm. troubling. And I can tell you, I, I can believe that a lot of the the ways I react to certain situations are based in that truth. 
I think that it makes sense because there's a certain part of your DNA where I think that naturally you would be doing things that that side does. Mm -hmm. I was so shocked when I went, you know, as an adult to see the other side of my family, my paternal side of the family. And I always felt like, you know, I don't talk that much. I don't express myself like to people just Mm -hmm. like, you know, openly unless I feel comfortable or whatever. But it wasn't unusual when we were in Thanksgiving dinner and literally everybody was silent eating, you know, yeah. like they were at conversation occasionally, but it, we're not really allowed family, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. kind of comforting to see that it's okay that I don't talk because part of my family doesn't, you know, really. It's like subconscious. Yeah. It was yeah. A, some, like, there were little things where I'm like, Oh my God, like, mm-hmm. You know, I kind of belong <laughs> yeah. where I didn't necessarily feel like I did because I didn't really see that interaction. So I can I can understand that. How did you feel when your biological father first reached out to you? Um, he never reached out to, him, to mm. me. I reached out to him. Mm. But I think there were moments because I never I never lost contact with my paternal grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, and. They had always been in contact with me before even the internet. They would still write letters to me. Mm-hmm. They were still good friends with my grandparents, you know. Mm-hmm. So the only person I never had access to was my dad. Um, but, you know, they would send me numbers all the time and, like, mm-hmm. you know, just have you talked to your dad? Like, almost like it was my responsibility to reach out. Yeah. Um, that always pissed me off because I felt like I didn't really have to do that. Mm-hmm. But if I had to do that to gain a relationship, then that's all I was looking for I might as well um I felt great when he first you know when I first reached out and he spoke to me like I felt like you know he was so excited and you know this was gonna be great we can hang out and just catch up but when I got what I wanted I just felt weird Mm. you know because it's like I have no connection you know I felt like I didn't have a connection of knowing someone we only have the connection because you know we're blood mm-hmm. and what's funny is we're born on the same day but it's like you want to feel something but you don't know the person like I, I, I like I, my main goal was to like work my way to getting to know someone but I still feel I still feel like a stranger you know yeah. Yeah. Um, and as much as I know that I'm loved and I know that that side of family like cares for me and I'm part of that family like it's really hard to be there and everybody's talking to you like you've always been there Yeah. and it's never that's never been the case you know like I so I still kind of distance myself even though I don't because even that is like overwhelming for me like mm-hmm. trying to jump into something I've never really had mm. yeah I can see or, that, man. It's weird. It's weird. I can see that. I just, I just don't want to be. What do they call it? Break generational curses. I don't want to be a reflection of my father towards my son. You don't want to be a reflection of your father towards your son. Yeah. How can you be? Maybe just subconsciously. See, to be honest, I was freaking terrified when you told me you were pregnant. I was terrified. What was going on through my head... Was not translate. yeah. 
I don't know what a proper father figure role is like. So how can I be a dad myself? Be a dad myself. Oh my god. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't want Junior to be that little kid running around the house talking about he's going to get a Nintendo 64. From his dad and you never show up. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. So it's like a a storm going on through my head and my body. Like, I, I didn't know. I was freaking the hell out, to be honest with you, man. It, it, that, that, I, I, I was speechless because it's like, I was so worried when mm-hmm. I was pregnant. I think that I felt like I had the worst pregnancy because I felt like you were at war with yourself, mm-hmm. you know, when I, when I needed you the most. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was afraid because I'm like, what if he feels like he can't do this? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like what you were feeling, like what you were thinking is what I was thinking like mm-hmm. I was hoping that you wouldn't doubt how great of a person you are to be a father you know like mm-hmm. I don't think that there's one cookie cutter way of being a great dad there's not but it's hard <laughs> to see that within yourself yeah you know you could always see the good in other people but they might not feel or see that within them themselves and it took a lot of thinking and 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 just having conversations with successful fathers that I know and not one, wanting to be a reflection of what my father did to me and you know I just wanted my pops to be there and he wasn't you know he's still angry and I'm here in my mind which which makes me already ahead of the game in a sense, you know. But adding all of those other nuances to it, uh, learning how to be a father, hmm. learning how to be vulnerable and still stern at the same time. Yeah. You know, hmm. it's definitely different, you know, especially when you go from not really talking about your feelings or conversating and just being expressive period to having having to submit to that do you think that being vulnerable is difficult because you can't get it out or you feel like you're gonna be judged just being afraid of being hurt hurt i think that's what it all leads down to all well most of trauma like that that's basically internal rather than external mm. as being hurt yeah, or let down or letting other people down hmm that's deep it I think my trauma is I feel like I, I never I fear being alone mm-hmm. like I always felt like I never belong somewhere mm-hmm. and I'm always gonna be left you know and it's it's really selfish of me to say that mm-hmm. because I I like I said I came from a, such a loving family. I have a huge family. Like um my father my stepfather, my father. Mm-hmm. His family, you know, has always accepted me. 
my mom's sister has always accepted me. I've, I've, se- I've felt and seen the love of my mother. Like, everybody mm-hmm. loves me, but it's like just feeling like I had to adapt to those things and, like, you know, always constantly moving and changing to different places. Like, I kind of felt like it was basically because nobody wanted me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was too much to handle. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It may have not been that way, but as a child, I felt like, well, that's why your parents aren't, you know, with you right now because mm-hmm. you're too much to handle. Like, you're a mistake, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. things like that. Yeah. That kind of um, made me feel like I just don't have anybody and I'm always going to have to be by myself. So I have to do things for myself, you know, like yeah. that's also the, the challenge that we have in our relationship where I feel like I have to control things. Mm. It's not that I want to do that, but I feel like if I don't, if I let my guards down, it'll show that I, I have to do this by myself. Mm. Yeah. So basically... <laughs> people individuals we bring in our past traumas or we're molded by some those traumas in our relationships if we don't do the work before we get into if we don't do the work before we do that Mm -hmm. um it took a lot of soul searching and taking accountability Accountability, yeah. You know, and really admitting what my flaws and what my problems were and putting those ideas in the forefront and accepting it. After that, that's when you start forgiving yourself and that's when you start forgiving others who may have hurt you or made you feel alone or even if you couldn't tell them even if you couldn't tell them you know it's a accountability a lot of our parents or the generation before them had to do what they had to do to like survive you know after the Jim Crow era or segregation and you know the craziness that they had to worry about or even going even being a single mother who still has to work a nine to five, go to the babysitter, pick up the baby, go to uh, the grocery store and buy all the food and doing that by yourself. People might often put those stresses and, and those pressures on the closest people to them. Yeah. You know, which is why we have to put ourselves in our parents' shoes and put ourselves in our parents' situation and, exactly. and try to figure out what we would do in that situation and how we would be I agree with you. And and that's when I go back to me saying, like, at the end of the day, our parents were people, you know, yeah. humans with feelings. And I think that as humans and people, we take away that uh, label or sense of authority. As, like, as children... We look at at our parents like God. Exactly. But what I'm trying to say is like, Uh now that we're adults, we all fuck up. You know, we all make mistakes. We all could have done something differently. And that's that's kind of like where, as we parent our child, it's like, how do we ensure that he has, you know, a stable and loving environment Mm -hmm. and not have anything that he is struggling with? You know, and not break his neck from 
Right, but it's things like, you know, us being consistent as parents. If we're going to say we're going to do something for him, we're going to do it. You know, like things that we felt like were maybe lacking. Just fixing, you know. Just breaking generational curses, man. Yeah. Just breaking, just, you know, just taking accountability for ourselves and our situation. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So how did you feel when you, what was going on through your mind when you first figured out that you were pregnant? You want to know the truth? Yeah. <laughs> Got pregnant um, when I was 28. Did I tell you the story of how I found I was pregnant? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very strange because I felt like I should have told you in person, but I was freaking out. Um, but I had just moved into this apartment mm-hmm. and I was not feeling well, like. This was a feeling of like, I was hungry, but then when I ate, I wasn't hungry. Mm. Like I wanted to throw up. So like, I was just like, man, like maybe I should just have a glass of wine. Tried the wine and I'm like, oh my God, my stomach hurts so bad. Mm. But I noticed that whole week because you know, I used to eat like a bird. Like I literally would never finish anything that I started, Mm -hmm. but I was like making two like sandwiches, a big salad and then I would still be hungry so just making a whole bunch of food and the weeks are going by and I'm like okay so I also used to smoke cigarettes so I was having a smoke while I was driving back um from work and I'm like oh my god like I smoked the cigarette and I swear like I felt like I was gonna die Mm. like something in my body was just like toxic toxic alert like Mm -hmm. making like I had to pull over and throw up (laughs) and I was like oh hmm I'm feel nauseous. I'm hungry and eating all the time, mm. you know? So I was like, let me just go get a pregnancy test. And I'm just thinking I'm overreacting because that's not the first time I've gotten a pregnancy test. Mm. So I get it. And then I go about my day. I make some more food. Like I come back home, make some more food. And I forget about it. You know, I'm watching mm. TV, doing other things come back like an hour later and that thing says pregnant (laughs) so i'm like wait 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 Mm. (laughs) and then i go back and do it again and then it says pregnant and i sat on my bed and i was just like wow like i'm gonna have a baby i was really happy Mm. because i'm like first off like i'm with somebody that i love which was a bonus for me second i'm like working somewhere that i Love. Mm. This was when I was working at the place that I ended up deciding that I hate it. But like, I felt like I was in a space where everything was working perfectly for me and Mm. I was happy. So I was just like, wow, like, this is amazing. And then I was just like, wait, I have to tell my partner, you know, but I didn't know how because I'm like, I'm freaking out. Like, I haven't told anybody yet. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't like, I was just like, oh my God. So. The, the thing, the first thing that came in my head is like, let me just send him a text. Mm. But I'm like, I didn't want to do that, but it's just like, let me just do it. Like, I have to tell him. And I don't know. I I thought to text you, but then I was like, let me call him. So then that's when I called you and you're like, send me a picture. <laughs> do you remember saying that? No. You're like, I, you were just like, uh, send me a pic. Like, you just, I, like, that's the first thing that came out of your mind. I'm that like, oh, shoot. <laughs> so, like, I sent you the picture and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh shit like I think you said that about 10 times and I'm like oh well I thought this was a good thing like you know so (laughs) damn 
I was like, I was, you know, I was happy about it. Mm. And I thought my mom was going to freak out because I told her like maybe two days or three days after I told you. And she was so happy for me. Mm. Like I was at an age where it's like, you know, 28, about to be 30. Like we've been been wanting you to get married and have children. Like, what do you mean? So I was happy. She was happy. Mm. And then like, yeah, I just, I felt so happy because I was so in love with you. You know, mm. like, I was just felt like I had everything that I wanted. Um, so, yeah. I was shocked, but I was happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a shock to me as well. Man. Yeah. It was a shock to me as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's when I initially started feeling all those feelings and, and thinking all those crazy thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So I, just, I didn't know. I definitely yeah. didn't know. But as I grew, I feel like as I grew, grew bigger, I started to grow bitter. Mm, yeah. Because I, I felt that. I felt you were having a lot of weight on your shoulder. Yeah. But I kept being like, you know, I'm the pregnant one, not you. That's yeah. how I felt like. Yeah. It was tough. It was tough. But um, the birth story... Oh man! Oh man! This is gonna have to be a part two. I mean, not really. We can give them a little uh, extra. Yeah, just a little. Okay. Well, let me start off by saying when I told my mother, I was definitely nervous and. And you know, you waited five until I was five months pregnant. Man, I just, I couldn't tell her, man. I couldn't. What were you fearful of? I don't know. Maybe the reaction. Yeah. Like, sometimes I think of the worst before I think, but before I actually do something. Yeah. When the situation never really ends up that way. So I told my mom, she was like, boy, you tripping. I've been wanting to be a grandmother. What are you talking about? <laughs> I knew funny. something was going on with her, man. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, you about to be a grandmother. Cool. But it was crazy, man. All those... uh lot of doctor visits you wanted to um what do they call them um have the baby at home but it wasn't really possible no i ended up having a super complicated pregnancy um but yeah i initially wanted to have a home birth i'm glad i didn't because once i ended up being in labor i think i would have been i would have felt better in the hospital yeah um yeah but maybe I don't know. Maybe the next time I can have a baby at home. But I just, just didn't want to get into that that the pool, the pool, <laughs> the birth water with you. It no, sounds like silly. a good idea. It sounds very romantic. He and just beautiful. doesn't want to float with all my my insides. No, I'm all right on that one. <laughs> um, I didn't even want to float in it. <laughs> uh, but what were you asking me? What were you talking just about? talking about? The, the birth experience, how you want it. What, a doula, not a doula. What is it called? Men no, I, I wanted to have a home birth because mm-hmm. um, I experienced my mom having two home births and they were amazing. Uh, but I, I think it was my, I was seven and a half months pregnant. Mm. Um, seven and a half. It's probably six or seven. It was pretty pretty early for the baby to be delivered Mm -hmm. but i remember coming home after a long shift from work um and i believe like after my employer at the time told me that i should shovel some snow 
and like just pu- push the boxes and the chairs into the art center mm. um, <laughs> at that stage of pregnancy. But I come home and I just like felt really sick. Like it was past the point of me feeling nauseous. It was like around the pregnancy where you're not supposed to feel nauseous and you're mm. kind of in your best stages of it. And I just started like bleeding. Mm. Like I thought I had peed on myself, but it was just like I just, you know, use the bathroom and like gush of blood like mm. everywhere. And I started to panic because I thought the baby, you know, was either coming out or I was having a miscarriage. Mm. Um, and so I was calling. I first called the midwives and like no one's answering. Sometimes they are busy because they're attending to other mothers. Um, so there was an emergency line and the emergency line said, just call 911 because, you know, like something's happening. This is bad. Mm. Try to call my mom. She wouldn't answer. I called you. I think you didn't answer at the time. Like nobody was answering. Mm. And I was getting like I was just seeing, you know, I seen blood or you see blood like I don't like blood. So it was making me freak out during that week. Um, I was just like violently throwing up in the car. Like every time I would drive from work, I was just like violently throwing up. And I'm like, why? You know, why am I doing this? Mm. I just felt like maybe I was going back to those first stages of like. I don't know, morning sickness or whatever. But I eventually reached my mom and she's like, no, we're coming. Then I eventually reach you and say, no, I'm coming. But um, the ambulance got here first, I think. Mm-hmm. Or it was like at the same time my mom was coming and the ambulance came in. So they came rushing downstairs and like, you know, at that point it, I had stopped bleeding. But it was just like literally everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I was just like sobbing. So I'm like, I don't want my baby to come out right now. Like I've done everything that I could to possibly like, you know, make sure this is safe. I was like, please God. But in my mind, I'm like, it was those chairs that I was moving or Mm. like, you know, the fact that I was trying to do things that pregnant people shouldn't do. And it's in the middle of winter. In the middle of winter. So I just felt like a failure at that point. Like I felt like I... I had no control over what my body was doing. And Mm. the one thing I was just like, please, God, I need my baby to come here safely. You know, when it's time to come. Okay. (laughs) So we get to the hospital and they couldn't figure out what was going on. And at that point, like, Wami was still growing as he should be. His Mm. weight was fine. His heartbeat was fine. So they came to the conclusion that I was probably maybe just too stressed out. But I think it may have been something because we we ended up having to deliver early again. So that hospital visit, I was in the hospital for about like a week and a half Mm. or something like that. And like I was just feeling so like tired. I never felt like just weak. I felt so weak. Um, So anyway, I ended up feeling better, went back to work. Everything was fine. And then we went for that doctor's visit. Yeah, you want to share about it was that? a Thursday. You remember? <laughs> yeah, it was a Thursday, and we were just supposed to, you know, get the regular visit. Um, I think we had two or three weeks. We were like thirty-seven weeks. Thirty-seven and a half. So we were approaching thirty-eight weeks. Approaching thirty-eight weeks, mm-hmm. and we went there, and the lady was taking the sonogram. She was like, "Uh, I think you guys need to stay here." Um, yeah, the first lady, she was just like, are you sure you're supposed to be 38 weeks? And yeah. I was just like, yeah. I was like, why? She's like, your baby's measuring 35 weeks. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. You know? And But the, the crazy thing is we were just at the doctor's office two weeks prior. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and actually, this was after the switch from the the like the. And they were using two the birth center. two machines. Uh, the do uh midwife was using a more of like a hot monitor. She didn't have like the sonogram technology. Right. So, so when we went there, they had I guess had a better view of what was going on. Right. That's true. But I would say that um. The midwives probably would have caught on to that earlier than mm-hmm. the new doctors that we had because they were so attentive and they were like mm-hmm. taking their time with my body. Whereas when we always visited like the hospitals and stuff like that, they would be so quick and oh yeah, everything's fine, blah 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 yeah. blah. Until she put you on that thing, it was and, like hold up, right? I think you guys need to stay here and we're delivering this baby today. Yeah. Did you know that um, that sonogram was optional? Really? So had I not said, yeah, I do want to have that sonogram, mm. I don't know where we would have been now. We wouldn't, yeah, I don't we know. We wouldn't right. have probably had them. But um, we end up going to GW Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, we walked there. Do you remember? We walked there <laughs> after we walked to get a, a, a grilled cheese sandwich from this restaurant. Yeah, so before the doctor's appointment that they determined that we had to um, give labor that evening, I was so hungry and I wanted a grilled cheeseburger, mm-hmm. grilled cheese sandwich. So, um, so we walk from Farragut, we walk from it Foggy long, Bottom to Farragut North. It was a long way. And I thought it was short, like, because I remember like taking blocks. this walk <laughs> as a, a college student. That was our last walk. And <laughs> no so we baby. walked literally from Georgetown to the Corcoran area. That was our Not last cool. walk with no baby. My <laughs> last walk with, but did you see everybody was looking and pointing yeah. like, oh, she's about to pop. Yeah, okay. man, that was our last. So we went there, doctor's visit, and then I was like, okay, if I'm going to give labor now, can I just at least eat something before we go in the hospital? Because they said I couldn't eat mm-hmm. if I was going to give labor. Yeah. So we went to Pop Bellies. Yeah. Then we went to give, then... We they did started. a lot of things before that we uh she pushed this baby out. Yeah. But um how was the like okay. I know I was the one in pain, but like what was the labor experience for you? For me, um I was nervous at first, but as time went along I got a little bit better. But um once I, I can remember that I was extremely exhausted because mm-hmm. I think the day before I woke up or the day prior I woke up super early and um we were on on hour five hour six hour eight you were pacing back and forth detaching yourself from the monitors and all the stuff and they can't <laughs> you keep pressing the button and tell the people, can you help me put this back on? Oh, hold on. I got to use the bathroom. Take it <laughs> off me. Can you help me put this back on? <laughs> and um, hour nine, hour ten, super exhausted. I think that's when they came in to induce the labor. It was the last few hours. And um, that's when I started to get stressed my stress started to come back and my heart started pumping a little bit mm. because your reaction was different. It felt like he was coming. Really? Yeah. Because you were pacing a lot more and then you went to the bathroom and um, I guess you thought you had to use it. 
Yeah, I thought I needed to number two so bad. Like, I thought yeah. thing was going to come out really harsh. <laughs> and you came back. And that's when you got on the bed on all fours. And you decided to push him out. Like, that's when no. he decided he wanted to come out. He was ready to come. But also, remember, we had such a sweet nurse, and I, I was hoping that I was being nice to her. I didn't know if I was yelling too badly at her or being mean. Nah, you were pointing most of that energy towards me. <laughs> touch me. Don't touch me. <laughs> Take your hands off me. I love you. I don't love you. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Oh, we're man. We're going to get through this. And you just started pushing. And I saw the head. You saw the head? I saw the oh. head. Because the doctors had left at this point. The nurse yes, had just... so the nurse, like, okay. let uh, We didn't explain yeah. that. So the, the doctor was just like, oh, you know, like, she's not fully dilated. It'll probably take about two two hours until, yeah. you know, the balloon or whatever they put in there for it, um, inducing the labor until it kind of falls. She was like, it'll just naturally fall down. Right. So I'm like, are you sure? Because I feel like I'm going to die and I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and my mom was just like, why are you acting like that? Because also when you feel like you can't do it is when the baby's coming out. Yeah. And my mom was just like, she's kind of having a reaction of someone that's about to give labor. Are you guys sure? Like, yeah, no, fine, blah, 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 blah. And they just so, left out. And they left out. But mind you, I was also a high-risk pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they should have just left me like that. They would come, they would come every hour or so right. or every two but hours. But knowing, though, after, like, my mom had warned them, like, five times, mm -hmm. our family hemorrhages. Like, we don't know how to stop bleeding after a certain, you know. So... The, the the nurse we had was so sweet. Um, she would let me take off the monitors. So mm -hmm. like at that point, I was like, I need to use the bathroom. Take them off of me. But I just wanted to hide in there mm -hmm. <laughs> while I had my contraction. But then I was like, Oh no! Oh no! I have to use the bathroom. And then I was like, Oh no! Wait, wait. My mom was just like, I think I see something. Yeah. And that's when I think that you saw the head too. That's when you came back to the bed, and then you just started pushing, and the head came out. I'm, yeah, I'm not I mean, a real emotional guy, but once I saw that, I just started bawling. Aww. And then your mother ran over. She's like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, she and was she like, just like dove. Like yeah, she like, was, a, like a baseball player yeah, in the like outfield or something. She just kind of dove. She dove in. the baby was like about to he like. He was coming. Like he, he, he was out. ready. He I don't even ready. think I pushed that long. He was ready. He like, I'm getting the heck up <laughs> out of here. Peace. And he just slid out and into your mother my mom's arm. Yeah. yeah into your mother's arm into your mother's hand and she was like whoa do you know at that point I was just like what happened cause I didn't hear I didn't hear crying yeah so I, I freaked out like is my baby alive mm. you know what I mean like that scared me but then my mom just like brought him under yeah and that's when I saw him and then when I put him like this he started yeah like he started like making sound and I was like oh and like two <laughs> minutes after that that's when the nurse finally comes back in but nurses, yeah, like 10 nurses. or 15 of yeah, them yeah. all came rushing because they, like, I was quote-unquote high risk. Right after your mother caught the baby. So what were you doing? Because I wasn't able to see you guys because, you know, my mom was with me and she said, Phil, I'll take my baby, you take yeah, yours. Yeah, she, um, I was, I don't know, man. I was, I was feeling so many different emotions and you were on one side of the room and the nurses took the baby on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, to put him in, I don't know, it was some type of con contraction or contraption. What, what they, they just, what they the just incubator? keep? No, nah, yeah, I think it was. What they just keep the babies or something? Or mm -hmm. 
tend to the babies and um I'm looking at them and I'm just like, Wow. <laughs> That's a baby. <laughs> I'm like, not my baby. You say, oh, that's a baby. That's a baby. Wow, he was look so at him. Small. Yeah, he was small. He was so tiny. I'm sorry to say, he came out looking like an alien a yeah, little he bit. Did. I was like, that's not. <laughs> but, that's um, not my baby. With black or blue lips, like he came out with really yeah, blue lips and and really pale. You know, for being just cooking in your belly for mm-hmm. nine months, like no sunlight, no nothing. nothing. He just looked. Just totally different, mm-hmm. but I still kind of felt euphoric. Wow. You know what I mean? And after they sat and, and did what they had to do with you, made sure you were okay. Um, that's when I think I took my shirt off and got skin to skin contact. Mm-hmm. And that's when the sun started to come up. I really? Believe. Wow. Yeah. And um, that point super exhausted and I can feel myself falling asleep with him on my shoulders Mm -hmm. and you know what's so funny is like he does the same thing Mm -hmm. like he lays on you the same way he did when he was born that's why yeah that's why that's why it's so important yeah but um I thought that whole ordeal like ordeal lasted like two hours it was probably 12 wasn't it it was it was really going on 12 maybe 10 to 12 hours but it was, it was a, a beautiful situation. Man. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not really emotional, but as soon as I seen him come out, I just started crying. That was my first time seeing you boohoo. I was like, oh I my god, like, look, man, he's crying. It was wild, man. But I believe that it's great being a, a parent. It's great being a father. It's great having a good, great partner, mm-hmm. and it's great to just see a reflection of me. Um, become his own person. Definitely. Yeah. I agree. Wild, wild journey. Wild journey. <laughs> but I'm I'm so grateful that our baby is very happy. Mm-hmm. Like, he has such a happy spirit. Yeah. And it reminds me to be happy every, every day. <laughs> so, um, this is the last episode of season one. Yes, thank you again so much for um, allowing us to have a space to be vulnerable and to share our thoughts, to share these beautiful mm-hmm. artists that we've been speaking with. Yes. Um, shout out and thanks to them too, because I don't think that we'd be able to do this without them. They dropped a lot of gems and inspired both of us to you know continue our craft and get better at our craft and get better at speaking more i'm also and that's another thing where i feel like this podcast has forced me to be a little bit more communicative and be a little Mm -hmm. bit more um opinionated and unafraid to communicate with people yeah Yeah. and just (laughs) speak speak with what's on your mind yeah you know just speak what's, what's on our mind but that's the pod, man. That's the pod. Yeah. I will add in um, a quote of the day later on. But um, thank you all. Thank you all. We really appreciate it, man. And uh, stay tuned. Um, we have the second season coming December first. Yes. Um, Can we give like a nice little preview of who to expect? Or should we just wait? We should just wait. We Let's just wait. wait. It'll be a surprise. But we have so many more incredible artists. Yeah.
that we're going to be speaking with. Just, uh, just lining up. Pie yeah. Pie. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in into the latest episode of Creative Habits Podcast. Here is your quote of the day. The key to growth is the introduction of higher dimensions of consciousness into our awareness. Lao Tzu. Subscribe, like, share. Peace everyone.